0: John Sharp and his wife Anna had a difficult marriage from the very beginning. The two had a beautiful little girl named Gracie as well as a second child on the way, a boy they planned to name Francis. But just months before Francis' birth, tragedy would strike in the Sharp family home. In the dead of night, someone rushed into the bedroom of Anna claiming her life. Just days later, the same maniac would claim the life of young Gracie as well, leaving only John to pick up the pieces. Detectives say that this case was unlike anything they had ever seen, and it would take police months to dig up even the slightest amount of evidence to prove what sort of twisted criminal could be capable of such a gut-wrenching crime. But before long, the clues started to fit together, and in the end, investigators found their primary suspect, and he'd been standing right there in front of them all along. Before we get into the story, I wanted to let you know about today's sponsor, Surfshark VPN. Surfshark is an app and browser extension that allows you to make it appear as though you're located pretty much anywhere in the world. This allows you to access the internet as if you were actually in a specific country. So if you live in the United States, you could have your device appear as though you're located in India or Canada or pretty much anywhere. Doing this lets you view and unblock certain websites that you may not have otherwise had access to. A great example of this would be Young Sheldon on Netflix, or several other series and movies that can be viewed on Netflix, but not on Netflix in the United States. But with Surfshark, you can watch these films right here in the States by simply switching your location to the UK, or any other country that may have access to the films or TV series. But this is just the tip of the iceberg. Because Surfshark also encrypts your online presence and data to help protect your passwords, documents, banking info, everything. What's really cool is that Surfshark uses the same level of encryption as the United States government, which is seriously impressive. Surfshark is the only VPN that offers one single account that can be used on all of your devices. You can check out Surfshark by using my code tie Knots, which will give you an extra three months for free, or you can access the deal by visiting surfshark.deals slash Knots. If three free months is enough, Surfshark also offers a 30-day money-back guarantee if you're unsatisfied for any reason, so you've got nothing to lose. So visit surfshark.com to learn more, or click my link below for an extra three free months with your subscription and help support the channel in the process. Thanks to Surfshark for sponsoring today's video. John Sharp was born and raised in Mornington, located in Victoria, Australia. John has always been a fairly private man, and he's never revealed much about his upbringing publicly. The same is true for Anna, John's wife. She was born in New Zealand, but that's more or less all we know about her. What we do know is that the couple began their lives together after meeting at the Commonwealth Bank in Australia, where they both worked. Before long, they decided to settle into John's hometown of Mornington. Mornington is a relatively small town, located on the Mornington Peninsula in Melbourne. With a population of around 25,000 people, Mornington is well-known for its village-like atmosphere. While 25,000 people isn't really a particularly tiny town, it's small in relation to the surrounding areas. But it's truly the way of life and the general atmosphere of Mornington that makes it feel so quaint and cozy. The main draw for Mornington is its beaches and wineries, which are a hotspot for tourists during the warmer months of the year. There are also several well-known horse breeders in the area, as well as some of Melbourne's greatest restaurants and shops, all of which help to bring in thousands of visitors each year. Overall, Mornington is a pretty great little town to raise a family in, as there's easy access to schools that cover kids of all ages from pre-K to graduation. This is likely why John and Anna decided to settle down here, The couple got married in October of 1994, and they'd moved around the small peninsula of Mornington for several years before finally finding a place to call their own on Prince Street. Around the time they moved here, Anna would give birth to their first child in August of 2002. Little Gracie Sharp was an adorable little girl, but she was born with a crippling disability, and I mean crippling in the literal sense. She was born with a deformity known as hip dysplasia, which would have made walking incredibly difficult for her as she got older, maybe even making it impossible depending on the severity. Her doctors required her to wear a type of harness that would gradually change the shape and orientation of her hips over the course of about three months. She began wearing this soon after she was born, and after a while it seemed like her deformities had been corrected. But this wasn't an easy process by any means. As you can imagine, changing the shape of your hip joints is not a very pleasant experience, leading Gracie to cry pretty much 24-7 for the first several months of her life. This put an exhausting strain on the Sharps' marriage, with John becoming incredibly frustrated by the whole ordeal. To top this off, due to the pain, Gracie also had issues feeding, which led to a whole host of other medical complications. To sum it up, Gracie had a very hard time during her first year of life, and it left the Sharp family on edge, begging for any type of relief for their little girl and for themselves. If this weren't bad enough, it's been said that John and Anna didn't even truly love each other from the very beginning. And this isn't just some rumor that's been spread around town. This information came straight from Anna. According to Anna's brother, when Anna and John returned from their honeymoon back in 1994, Anna revealed that she'd made a mistake. She told her mother that she felt no passion and no love towards John, but Anna was devoted to her Christian faith, being a fiercely dedicated Catholic. Because of this, divorce was never an option for Anna, as it's essentially forbidden by the Catholic Church. Regardless of whether or not she felt like marriage was a mistake, though, she vowed to make things work and did her best to love her newfound husband, which, despite what most of the world may say, is a fairly honorable thing to do. We don't know if John felt the same way about Anna, or if he may have truly loved her from the start. It would be a bit strange to hear that both Anna and John felt nothing towards one another. After all, if they didn't even like each other, why get married? But realistically, stranger things have happened, and unhappy people get married every day. But my guess is that John must have felt something for Anna. And that's likely why she committed herself to trying so hard to make the marriage work. But marriage issues aside, the couple did make things work, and about a year after settling into their new home with their daughter Gracie, Anna announced that she was pregnant again. This announcement came as both a shock to John and their family, but particularly John. See, John gave an outward appearance of being a pretty calm and collected guy. He had his enemies, that's for sure, but it doesn't seem like most people had any problem with it. But behind closed doors, John was a much different person. While John had initially seemed pretty excited about the idea of starting a family in years past, after the difficult birth of Gracie, he had checked out completely. He felt like Gracie was much more of a burden than she was worth, and he certainly didn't want to have another child thrown into the mix. While it's pretty normal to either not want children or simply not want two children, John never shared these feelings with Anna, at least not as far as I can tell. As a result, as time passed by, you can understand that John's frustration grew more and more with each passing day. While Anna was ecstatic to be bringing a new little boy into their family, John couldn't have been angrier if he tried. While they kept it quiet and cool to friends and family, inside, John was about to burst. By March of 2004, the Sharp family had been attending a birthday party for one of their nephews. Dozens of people were present at this party, and everything seemed to have gone along without a hitch. The children were playing, and the parents were chatting and laughing, and everything seemed to be great on the surface. But beneath it all, the Sharp family was struggling. With each passing day, the arrival of their son ticked ever closer, making John more and more nervous for what the future may hold. A few months prior to this party, John had developed a sudden interest in spear-fishing. His family found this to be pretty strange because John wasn't much of an outdoorsman, nor was he ever interested in fishing prior to this moment. For many, they likely just assumed that John needed some sort of way to clear his mind and step away from the struggles of Gracie's disability for a while. John would spend hours upon hours practicing with the new spear gun he had purchased, but as far as his friends and family know, he never actually went fishing with the gun. He more just enjoyed target practice. Just two days after the aforementioned birthday party, John and Anna had gotten into a very heated argument. We don't know what the context of this argument was, but it's safe to assume it likely had something to do with their upcoming son's birth. The two eventually cooled off and went to bed around 9 or 10 p.m. on March 23rd. Anna was so exhausted that she fell asleep the moment her head hit the pillow, but John was still fuming from their heated debate. After lying in bed for a while, he decided to just get up as he couldn't get himself to fall asleep. He went out to their backyard garage for a while before coming back inside and sleeping on the couch. According to John's version of events, at some point during the night, Anna awoke and announced that she'd had enough. John soon learned that Anna had been having an affair She was finally ready to move on with her life and told John that she was moving in with her new lover and taking Gracie with her. John was understandably devastated, but what made this revelation so strange is that Anna didn't take Gracie with her immediately. Instead, she left Gracie at the couple's home, claiming that she'd be back in a few days to pick her up. After this sudden and unexpected announcement, Anna left. What's interesting is that she never bothered to call her family and inform them of her sudden change of plans. She also never called Gracie's daycare to let them know that John would now be picking her up and dropping her off over the next few days. It's almost as if Anna just up and left without any regards for anyone but herself, something her family says was incredibly strange. John arrived at Gracie's preschool the next day and explained the situation in a bit more detail, further claiming that he'd be in charge of Gracie's trips to and from school for the next few days. After speaking with the daycare, John also spoke with Anna's mother, and the two had a brief conversation about what had taken place with anna the only thing was by this point anna had still not reached out to her mother on her own at least not as far as i can tell the details around this moment in time are admittedly a bit unclear but john told his friends and family that he didn't know where anna had gone all he knew was that she was moving in with someone that she'd been having an affair with but as days passed by anna still refused to reach out to any of her family members Though, after around three days, she had reportedly returned to the family home and picked up Gracie, leaving John alone. By March 29th, around seven days after Anna's initial disappearance, her mother had become incredibly worried for her well-being. No one had been able to get in touch with Anna at all. She still wasn't answering her phone or returning any of her family's calls. Her mother knew that she needed to do something, so she decided to report Anna and Gracie missing. John went along with this plan and agreed that it was time to get the police involved. John would eventually appear on television begging his wife to at least return a call and confirm that she and Gracie were all right. But that's when an email finally came through. Anna's mother received an email from her daughter in which she assured her that everything was fine and everything was going according to her plan. She confirmed the affair and her impending divorce with John, as well as the fact that she had taken Gracie with her. The only problem is she wasn't willing to reveal where she was, and it's unclear why she was being so secretive about this. After all, as far as we know, John wasn't abusive. He was just unhappy. John was certainly a man with a short temper and a lot of frustration, but Anna didn't have any reason to run away and hide like this. The whole situation just didn't make any sense. John told Anna's family that he had a reason to believe that Anna had moved to the nearby suburb of Chelsea, but he didn't know anything other than this and according to police he repeatedly denied any further involvement or knowledge of her disappearance as weeks passed by anna's mother would eventually receive flowers from her daughter on her birthday but still no verbal contact with her john continued to appear in television appeals for information about anna's sudden disappearance and in one interview he explained that he knew the couple's marriage was over but he begged his wife to come forward as he still loved her and obviously had a deep love for their daughter as well but that's when things started to take a turn during his interview john's tone of voice changed and he began to refer to his wife and daughter in a past sense detectives picked up on this right away and that's when they began to press john a bit more regarding his knowledge of his wife's disappearance it was clear that john knew something but what was it and why was he keeping it a secret By May 20th, 2004, about two months after Anna's disappearance, police requested to speak with John once again. During their interview, they questioned John at length about his wife's sudden disappearance and her alleged affair. In particular, they found it very odd that Anna would have chosen to stay with John for more than 10 years, then up and left him all of a sudden. After all, if she was half the devoted Catholic that she claimed to be, this would have never been an option for her. If she had any plans of leaving him due to a lack of love or passion, why hadn't she just done this immediately after their honeymoon all those years ago? Worse yet, investigators were even more confused about her decision to leave Gracie with John for a few days before returning to pick her up. If Anna felt the need to run and hide from her husband and her family, seemingly out of fear, then why didn't she take her daughter with her from the very beginning? it was around this time that police began to realize that anna's atm card and phone had remained active throughout the duration of her disappearance her card had been used repeatedly throughout the southeastern suburbs of victoria and her phone had pinged from towers in the area as well but when police checked around those areas there was no trace of anna or gracie nor were there any witness sightings detectives would continue to grow increasingly suspicious of john They soon began to track his every move, hoping that his whereabouts may reveal some sort of hidden knowledge about Anna's sudden disappearance. And it turns out they were right. They witnessed John visiting several of the areas where Anna's phone and ATM card had last been used. As luck would have it, they even witnessed him retrieving some of Anna's belongings from a hidden location inside of a public restroom in southeast Victoria. They also reportedly saw John dispose of a few pieces of evidence in trash cans along the side of the road in the area. But it doesn't appear that they were ever able to retrieve these items for testing. By this point, they still had no reason to suspect that John may have been responsible for Anna's disappearance. But they had certainly begun to believe that he may have had some sort of knowledge of Anna's whereabouts that he wasn't sharing with police. This brings us to June 22, 2004. Police believe that at a minimum, john had been interfering with their investigation they arrested him and brought him in for questioning but they weren't able to learn anything that they didn't already know while he was in police custody though they questioned him again pressing him much harder during this particular session and this time having nowhere else to turn john finally decided to open up as it would turn out and as i'm sure we've all come to expect John was the one responsible for using Anna's ATM card and cell phone in the weeks and months after her disappearance. Worse yet, detectives even learned that John had been the one who sent flowers to Anna's mother on her birthday. And he'd also been the one sending her mother text messages and emails throughout the duration of her disappearance. But why would he have done such a thing? If he knew where his wife was and was supposedly helping her to create this paper trail, what was with all the public appeals for information? Well, On June 22nd, John finally opened up and revealed everything he knew about Anna's disappearance and the disappearance of his daughter. We don't know what led him to make such a dramatic confession, but John finally explained the real story of what had taken place the night that his wife disappeared. If you remember, the two had been in a heated argument just before they went to bed. John, unable to sleep, had gone to their backyard garage to clear his head, but this wasn't his only reason for going out there so late at night. John revealed that he was so incredibly angry with his wife and fearful for his future that he grabbed his spear gun and returned to the house. He entered the couple's bedroom, placed the spear gun against Anna's head, and fired. When this didn't finish the job, he fired a second round, ending the life of both his wife and his unborn son at the same time. He then went downstairs and slept on the couch for the rest of the night. The following day, a TV repairman showed up at their home to address some issues with their television service, but John turned the man away, saying that it wasn't a good time. John then went upstairs and retrieved his wife, burying her in the backyard while their daughter Gracie was at daycare. A couple days later, he took Gracie with him to a local sporting goods store where he purchased more spears for his spear gun a couple more days passed leading us to march 27th that evening gracie was put to bed at her usual time and john headed to the kitchen to make himself a glass of whiskey then another and then another after he was suitably drunk he decided to do the unthinkable he once again retrieved his spear gun from the garage then headed into gracie's bedroom to finish what he had started he then placed gracie in the trunk of the car john later went out to the backyard and dug up the remains of anna He went to the store and purchased an electric saw then returned to anna's side doing his best to conceal his crime by placing the remains in multiple bags then tossing them in the back of his car alongside gracie he then loaded up all the evidence from the home including the couple's mattress and headed off to a nearby landfill where he dumped the contents of the car's trunk when police searched john's home they found the receipt for the additional spears that he had purchased at the sporting goods store that day as well as the receipt for the duct tape and the tarps that he had used to help conceal the crime. When detectives searched the dumpsters in the nearby area, they even found handwritten notes from John where he had written out his alibi so that he could study it and rehearse it for when the police inevitably questioned him about his wife and daughter. When asked why he would do such a thing, It doesn't seem that John ever gave a direct answer to detectives, though according to his friends and family, the most likely reason is simply because he didn't want to raise another child and his family was too much of a burden. John admitted that his wife was controlling and moody and that he no longer wanted to deal with her, and this crime was somehow the only way he could figure out how to escape his marriage. He admitted that he planned on taking care of Gracie by himself, but at some point along the way, he changed his mind. But things got even more crazy when police spoke with john's family after the fact according to several family members john had a history of abuse against minors in his younger years he had forced several female family members against their will each of them being children at the time it was never explained why these accusations were never reported to the police but john's family believes that he may have been carrying out the same abuse on little gracie and that his wife found out about it In order to silence her, he ended her life. And in order to silence Gracie, he ended her life as well. Now, this is merely a theory, and there's no evidence found to support this belief, but it's interesting nonetheless, and it certainly makes sense. In the end, John was sent right where he belongs, to prison. He was given two life sentences and is tasked with serving a minimum of 33 years, at which point he'll be eligible for parole when he's 71 years old. As you guys know, just about every case I cover comes from your suggestions. So if there's a case you'd like to see me discuss in the future, let me know in the comments below or send me an email. I'm always looking for new stories to research. Today's story was suggested by you guys as well. But with that said, I thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of True Crime Stories. If you want to see more true crime documentaries like this, be sure to hit the like button and subscribe. If you'd like to help support the channel, the best way you can do that is simply by leaving a comment below, any comment at all. It helps out the channel a lot more than you may realize. If you want to help out financially, you can do that by clicking the blue join button below or by picking up a true crime stories mug like the one you see on the desk behind me from TyKnotts.com. But with that, my name is Ty Knotts and I'll catch you guys in the next video.